0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. I'm excited, man. It's going to be a great day in God's house. If you're ready to go, say amen. I know some of you aren't used to vocal churches. You're used to churches that are sterile. But um, I would just tell you, look, if you go to a sporting event with, with quiet fans, you get suspicious. I've never been to a pro sport event that, like, the fans are just like, it's a good game. It's a good game. Uh, I, I, I've been to sport events that people lose their minds. And the funny thing is, is you're cheering for people that don't know you, wearing a costume, trying to put a ball somewhere on a field or a court. And we come to church, and we meet with the eternal God, and we're so, like, programmed and trained that you're supposed to be quiet and solemn. Some people think that sleeping through church actually does God a favor. Like, God is pleased by how much I suffer on Sundays. How crazy is that theology? How many think that God wants you to enjoy spending time with him? We always say to Oceans Church, we're trying to make Sundays great again. Come on, somebody. Sorry, too soon, too soon. We're going to have a good time today. If you got your Bibles, uh, open them up with me. We're starting a brand new series today. And I want to be very honest up front. We're going to have fun. Say fun. We're going to have a good time. Someone say a good time. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do my very best to unlock what I believe God wants to share today through His Word, and I want to be very forthright. I get paid to tell the truth, so I got to be honest with you today. I believe some of you will encounter the presence, the the power, the majesty. Listen, when God shows up, listen, He's everywhere all the time. But when the manifest presence of God shows up, it's it's different. It's like uh, one of my one of my friends says, it's like when a billionaire shows up in a room. He could be in a room physically, but he doesn't manifest his presence. Until he gives everyone in the room some money. If there's a billionaire here today and he says everyone's getting a million bucks, he would be flexing and manifesting his, his value. When God is in a room and he manifests, that's when people get healed, set free. Are you hearing me today? So I believe that's what's going to happen. He showed me, just not to get crazy, but he showed me when I was singing, there was someone 13 years ago that had something very traumatic happen to you. And uh, you've been stuck in a cycle, like a secular cycle of discouragement, depression. It's affected marriages and children and families and life. And it's been 13 years, and God's going to break this cycle today. Watch, there's another person in here. When you were 13 years old, you got in a catastrophic accident. It's affected you. You've had pain in your body since you were 13. And God's going to heal your physical body today. Why do you say that? Because I, I, I know when God speaks to me. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I'm not the best looking. I'm close. That laugh. It hurts that you laugh at that. But I do know when I hear the voice of God, and he said that I'm going to heal some people today. How many believe that God is a good God? Yeah, yeah. So if you have your Bible today, uh, open with me to Luke chapter 15. If you're brand new to church, maybe you never go to church. Maybe you've never been to church like this. Like, wow, by golly, people are having fun. This is interesting. People are actually engaged. They're not looking at their clocks ready to go watch a sporting event. They're excited to be with God. If you're here today and you're brand new, I'm going to open up the Bible to Luke 15. I'm going to read 21 verses, which is more than usual. That's daring for a pastor to do. But how uh, many like to live dangerous sometimes? I tell some churches, you're reading 21 verses. They look at you like you're trying to donate clothes to a nudist colony. They're like, what? What's crazy? Uh, we're going to have a good time. Who's up having a good time today? Is it okay to tell a couple jokes today? I got two kids, so they could be dad jokes, just warning you. But I do believe it's okay to laugh. The Bible says laughter does good like medicine. And so uh, we're going to take some meds together. And uh, Luke 15, if you're there, say I'm there. We're starting a series today, a three-week series. God gave a very clear instructions. He said, Mark, I want you to spend the month of November, three Sundays left, talking about the homecoming. Homecoming. Say with me, homecoming. I believe that there is something that we find in our purpose when we come home to God. Many of you have family and friends. Even you yourselves, you feel distant, isolated, or maybe not like you're living with and for God. And this is going to be a month that you're going to come home. And some of you that are already home, you're like, Mark, I haven't really found my purpose in life. I feel like I'm missing something. I bought the house, married the spouse, but I feel hollow somewhere. I believe that purpose is found in God's house. Anybody believe that? And so um, we're going to talk about this the next three Sundays. I want to encourage you to come back. I'll be here all three weeks. It's going to be G-double-O-D good. Someone say amen. Say wow. Say it backwards. Wow. Say it upside down, Mom. Just making sure you're with me. You guys ready? Luke 15. Let's read 21 verses together. I'm going to pray after that. I'll tell a couple stories, and then we'll get into it. And God's going to move. And uh, on credit, if you believe it, say yeah. Luke 15, verse 11, it says, now a certain Jesus talking here. He said, a certain man had two sons. How many? The younger of them said, Father, give me, say with me, give me, the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them. Both sons got their inheritance that day, his livelihood. Not many days after this, the younger son gathered all together, headed to Vegas, rented out the presidential suite at the Bellagio, had Floyd, Money, Mayweather show up. I'm kidding. Now uh, says that he goes on a far journey to a country and there waste his possessions on prodigal wild living. I know this is a familiar passage, but I love it if we look at it with a fresh set of eyes. It says, but when he spent all, there arose a severe famine. Severe what? Famine. Famine, interesting. Famine in that land, in that land. He began to be in want, in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields. Into the what? Fields. Where did he go? Into the what? Fields. Sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. He would have gladly filled the stomach with the food that the pigs ate. No one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he goes, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I'm here perishing with hunger. I will arise. I will go to my father and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he rose and he came to his father. But while he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran, which was a no-no in that day as a man, fell on his neck, kissed him. And he said, in a sense, and he said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven. I've sinned in your sight. I'm a, I'm a Raiders fan. I know it's wrong. <laughs> I'm kidding. Just making sure you're still with me. He said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father said to him, his servants, Bring out the best. Bring out the best robe. Put it on and put a ring on his hand. Grab some Birkenstocks for his feet. Bring out the fatted calf. Let's kill it. Let us be merry for this son was dead. He's alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. And they began to be merry. Now the older son was in the field. Was in the what? Interesting. These guys were hanging out in fields. And he came and he drew near to the house and he heard music and he heard dancing. Let's pause. If you can hear dancing, we got a party, ladies and gentlemen. I get hearing music, but you hear dancing? Come on, that's like, that's crazy. He heard dancing. And um, it says that they heard dancing, so he called one of the servants. One of the who's? One of the servants came from the house, and uh, the older brother said, What does this mean? And the servant said, Well, your brother came home, and because he's been received safe and sound, your father has killed a fatty calf. He was angry would not go in. Therefore, the father had to come out to him, plead with him. So he answered and said to his father, this is when you know you're a little bit emo, when you start to sentence with low. Yeah. <laughs> Can we agree on that? Yeah. Low. I've been with you all these many years. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. I've been perfect. I walk on water. Jesus is my name. He's just like exaggerating right here. Been with you all these years. Never transgressed your commandment at any time. And you never gave me a barbecue. goat. Never made my friends marry. But as soon as this Son of yours, sounds like some of your spouses. When your spouse gives your gives you credit when your kids are acting bad. Mark, your daughters. Come on now, why are they aren't? Why are they my kids when they're good? Mark, your daughters just gave away their allowance to the poor. They're only my kids when they're bad. Come on, somebody. Says this um, this son of yours, who spent your livelihood devouring. Your livelihood with harlots has killed the fatted calf for him. You're celebrating. He said, son, you're always with me. All that I have is yours. It was right for us to, get, to, be, to make merry, to barbecue, that we should, we should celebrate for your brother was dead, but he's alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. Yeah. Your brothers come home. Your brothers come home. I want to talk to you today about preparing God's house. I kind of stumbled upon this two weeks ago at our wave night. God gave me this download while we were singing. And uh, I felt like the Lord, I shared it that night, just like a 10-minute version of this. And our whole staff was like, Mark, that wasn't a message for Wave Night. That was a message for the Big C Church. So I preached it in Dallas last week. And uh, I just feel like it's a message that I'm supposed to take around the world one day. I believe it's a prophetic message of where we're at as a church in society. And so I want to talk to you today about preparing God's house. Are you ready to go? Let's pray real quick. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We bless you. Fill this tent, Lord. Fill these tents and our online presence with your sweet presence and your sweet power. We love you so much, Holy Spirit. Have your way today. Pray blessing over the Lakers. In Jesus' name, God's people said amen. Come on, everyone said "Amen." amen. I think life is all about preparation. One of my mentors says that when preparation meets opportunity, destiny is released. When preparation meets opportunity, destiny is released. You prepare for a lot of things. You don't just run marathons, cold turkey. You prepare. Some of you every day, you, you want to have a good dinner. You don't just, come on, throw it in the microwave. you got to prepare. You want to have a good relationship, you got to prepare. And I think the greatest window of, of life that God gives humanity is when you get pregnant, God gives a built-in nine-month window of preparation. God knew there was something crazy about kids that you needed nine months to get ready for. God says, buckle up. I'm going to give you nine months to get your head right, to get your house in order to get ready for what's coming. I'm telling you right now, you don't know what crazy is until you have a toddler. You know the difference between a toddler and a terrorist? You can negotiate with a terrorist. There's a crazy window you have kids. Remember, we started preparing our house. We got pregnant with our first daughter. Remember preparing the house? We started baby-proofing the house. Can we call it what it is? It's called, a, it's called human-proofing the house. It's not just babies. You will never use that outlet again either. It'll take your fingernail off. You try to peel that plastic cover off that outlet. You ever try to rattle a cabinet loose? It's like, no one's getting into that cabinet again. Living in wild times. You're preparing that house, baby-proofing that house. Covering the stairs with cardboard. Come on. Kids are eating the dog food, so you start feeding the dog baby food. Come on. Going through all this... This, this preparation, getting ready for this baby to come. It's crazy, man. A, ba- a group of baby soldiers is called an infantry. Come on. <laughs> I was thinking about this, man. It's crazy. You have a baby, you have no idea what it's like to go crazy until you're sleep deprived. If a baby is refusing to go to sleep, they are resisting a rest. Come on. <laughs> a slow crowd today. So we got pregnant. I was Rochelle's birthing coach, which I think is a generous title for the, the guy in the corner crying. I'm just trying to tell her jokes, trying to keep the mood light while she's in labor. Come on, anybody tell a joke to your wife when she's in labor? She didn't laugh. I like to think it was the delivery. You get that one later. I was thinking about, man, preparing for babies. There's something about when the water breaks. Honestly, man, my, my fantasy growing up was like driving like the Dukes of Hazard when my wife's water broke. Like just hopping in the car like, babe, hold on. Yeah. Hopping on the freeway, doing a buck twenty. Just praying you get pulled over. Because is the, the only time in human history you can look at a police officer with confidence and say, we're having a baby. Come on, every man fantasizes about the officer going, follow me. so pumped about this and we had to induce with both of our kids and so i didn't experience that either time and so um it's crazy though that uh you have you have kids you prepare for children and when your wife's water breaks you go into uh you go into uh obviously what is is it called it's called uh, labor pains there it is i knew i felt that (laughs) labor pains I was thinking about labor pains and how, you know, they start having contractions, and you're there, and you're encouraging, and you're just kind of going through this this, this, uh, this emotional ordeal, and, you know, it's wild. Uh, when you're in labor pains, it's, uh, it's so much chaos before life comes into the world, and it's crazy. Oftentimes, they say that you won't have another kid until you forget the pain of giving birth to the first kid. And you know, it's crazy. There's a there's a window of time that's painful, it's scary, it's it's contracting, and uh, it's 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 a wild window when you're in labor pangs. And I, I feel like right now, if I'm being very honest with you, as I look around the landscape of America and the world, I feel like the world is in labor pangs. I believe there is a strain, a stress, a polarization. Never before in my 37 uh, years. Is that right? 37? I look 36, I'm 37. Uh, In my 37 years of life, have I ever seen a window of such political upheaval? Uh, Polarizations between people groups, ethnicities, social economic statuses, political parties. We have never had a window. Even Christians and churches have these divides. It's wild that we've never lived in a window that has no middle. Jesus forecast in the end days, the love of many will grow cold. That's what we're living in right now. We're living in a window of history that society is giving you permission to hate people that aren't like you. But I would tell you today that any world religion, any belief in God that gives you permission to hate your fellow man is not from God. Can we agree on that this morning? God's desire is to love people. Can I get an amen? But we are in this polarizing window of history that it's us versus them. And I don't know if I like you because you voted differently and you act differently and you talk differently and you don't think the way that I think. And you should get vaxxed. You shouldn't get vaxxed. You should wear a mask. You shouldn't wear a mask. If you want to make everybody unhappy, be a pastor. Because you're too liberal for some and too conservative for others. If you're upset about this message today, I want you to email me at, come on, Joel Faust at MySpace. MySpace. I believe today that we're living in a crazy time that everything that can be shaken is being shaken. We have cargo ships lining our coastlines right now. We have gas prices that you're like, I want a gallon of gas, and they ask you for two kidneys. We're living in a wild window. I mean, this is crazy. I'm not saying it's the end of the age, but Jesus did say that the end would come when there was famines in the land. Wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, all these things, famines, pestilences. Throughout history, God has used famines to wake people up. That's where we're at right now. Look, you may have water running in your house and food in your your pantry still, and you probably still have some toilet paper left over from 2020. But if we're being honest this morning, there is a famine right now in America for the thirst of God. There is a spiritual dehydration, a spiritual malnutrition in our land today that we have pushed God to the margins of our society. We're okay with Christian bumper stickers and philosophical quotes, but the truth is we are not yielded and surrendered to the majesty and the lordship of Jesus Christ. We're trying to get God off our currency. We're trying to push God out of our classrooms. We're trying to get God out of our politics and our states. And our cities are in ruins and in flames, and we're wondering how did we get here? Famines, listen to me, aren't always water and food. Oftentimes, there are spiritual famines. Amos 8 talks about a day that they're not lacking water and food. They're lacking the presence of God. Believe that we're in a famine right now. People are being shaken right now. Some of you that normally would never go to church are like, maybe I'll go to church right now. It's pretty crazy. Maybe church is the only place I can get real good news. I turn on this news station, I get bad news. I turn on this Instagram thread, I get fear, worry, panic attacks, and anxiety. I watch this article on the news, and I get angry at people. Maybe church is the only place that I can get good news. Here's what's crazy. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken right now. We are in a, I believe, a worldwide spiritual famine. And I would prophetically declare to you, God never lets famines go for no reason. I want you to write two things about famines. Number one, God always uses famines to distinguish his people. Can I get an amen from the back of the room? What do you mean? You look at Abraham, Moses, Joseph. You look at, you look at Ahab, Elijah. You look at, uh, you look at Naomi and Ruth. You look at uh, 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 even um, in, in Acts chapter 11, it says uh, even, uh, what's the prophet's name? Uh, Agabus. That's a good name right there. Who feels like they're going to have an Agabus one day? Come on. Agabus, he prophesied that the days would come, there would be a worldwide famine, which actually materialized in the days of Claudius. Listen, famines throughout history distinguish God's people. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm saying that Daniel, or excuse me, let's go back to Joseph, had a seven-year severe famine that gave him an audience and influence with the king of the world. God actually positioned the people of God, the Israelites, in a window of famine through the life of Joseph. Are you hearing me today? God has always leveraged famines to wake people up. Why would we be in a famine right now that's a political famine, a social famine, an economic famine? I'm telling you right now that it's, sometimes it is the hunger of our stomachs that wakes up our spirit to God. And there is a spiritual famine right now in the world. And God began to speak to me out of Luke 15, and he said, Mark, you know what I use famines for? I don't just use famines to distinguish my people. I use famines to bring my kids together. Here's a story. You have two sons that are lost. One's lost out in the world. One's lost in the church. I would argue today before all of you that you can be lost outside or inside God's house. You can go to church every single Sunday. Going to church makes you a follower of Jesus like owning an oven makes you a baker. It could be true, but not necessarily. Some of you, you're at church on Sundays, but you're living wild Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, right? Living crazy the rest of the week. You, you believe in God, but his, that belief in God hasn't changed your heart. And this story of Luke 15 is about two sons that are lost. It shouldn't be called the prodigal son. It should be called the consistent father. Because he has two crazy sons. One son's crazy outside, one son's crazy inside. The only normal person in the story is the father. How do you know the wild son, the youngest son is wild? He comes to his father, and notice this. Many preachers get it wrong. This is not a story about sons that want their father's wealth today. The younger son was already rich. Prodigal living has nothing to do with having money now or later. It has everything about having control. The younger son, father, I want what belongs to me in the future now, so I can be the ruler of my own universe. We live in a day and age that many people are wild outside because they live for themselves. I am the CEO of my universe. I am the God of my life. We say things that we think are spiritual, but they're actually anti-Christ, like only God can judge me. We say things like that because we want to live for ourselves and justify it. Like the devil say, "Uh, not God's will, my will be done. That's what the prodigal son does, is he goes, I'm going to live for me. I'm going to do what I want, when I want, how I want, with whoever I want. And I would tell you today that the more you give in to your carnal, fleshly appetites, the more in bondage you're going to become. That's the lie that society doesn't broadcast, is that if you give in to every sexual craving, you give in to every materialistic craving, you give in to every uh, demonic drug craving, the more you aspire for freedom, the more in bondage you become. And here's the upside-down kingdom, that the more you surrender your heart to Jesus, the freer you live. That's good preaching right there. Come on, give God a hand clap. you believe it. I am, I am living proof that the more of your heart you give to God, the freer you live. I have friends that party here and go on yachts there and do drugs and sleep with everything that has two legs. And they're trying to go after absolute freedom, and they end up in absolute rehab. have people every week. I pastored pro athletes. I've mentored uh, businessmen, businesswomen, people that everyone esteems to be like. And I've seen them from the richest to the poorest to the most well-known to the most unknown. I've seen people in atmospheres like this coming forward with tears in their eyes saying, Mark, I've been on Sports Center. I bought the mansion. I married the model. I've gotten everything that I ever wanted in life. And I've been to strip bars and this party and this club. And I've never found there what I found here. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the greatest news on the earth. If you believe it, say amen. And we're living in a world that's dying because in famines, we're running away from God, not to God. We're spending time in the famine, in the field. I want you to know today there is no sustenance in the field. There is no fulfillment in the field. I feel something in here today. You can chase your dreams all day long. If your dreams are only in the field and not in God's house, they will never bring fulfillment. Matthew 13 says the field is the world. And what's crazy is, is both sons came to themselves in the field. Matthew 13 goes on to say that actually that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a, you know what God's kingdom is? It's a treasure hidden in the world. That when you find that field, you go sell everything that you have and you buy that field. These two sons are in, are you hearing me today? They are in fields, but it was a famine that woke them up. The older son never would have woke up if the younger son wouldn't have come home. And the younger son never would have came home if a famine didn't get severe. It was the severity of the famine that woke up the sons. And I believe, I'm not saying, I'm not prophesying it's going to get worse, but I'm saying regardless if it does or it doesn't, I believe that God wants to leverage the famine to build his family. I repeat, God wants to leverage, he doesn't cause them, but he'll use them. And I believe if we do this thing right, we will go through this weird, awkward window of history and look back and say, God leveraged the fear of that day, the anxiety of that time, the division of that population to actually force people to run back to his house. Yeah, I believe that today. Come on, if you're going to clap, you've got a good hand clap today. How do you know? preacher because i'm telling you right now that doesn't matter how wild you live if you live outside of god in his house you will end up like the younger son you will live wild you will live wasteful and if you live wild and wasteful long enough you'll eventually end up in want if there was ever a poster child for this it's orange county got everything did everything made everything accomplished everything only to be empty and suicidal we have people that have full checking accounts but are spiritually bankrupt. And I tell you today that God came, and I believe this county, and God is going to leverage Orange County as a type and a shadow of people that can actually do a lot of great things in life but still be spiritually rich. Come on, you believe that today? But everybody thinks that we're the exception. No, 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 no Mark. I'm the exception. I'm the one that can sniff cocaine during the week, but I'll still be okay. My marriage won't fall apart. I can maybe compromise with pornography. I might have a side, uh, side relationship. I might be able to do some cut some corners in my business, in my finances. I know it, I know it sinks everybody else, but I'm the exception to the rule. Friend, you, you, you look, you're exceptional, but you are not the exception to the rule. I'm telling you that when you play with fire, it'll eventually burn your life down. And this younger son, if he was here today, he would tell you that, man, outside of the father's house, if you live wild and wasteful long enough, you will eventually end up in want. And how do you know you're in want? Because the fourth thing we know about the younger son is when you're in want long enough, you'll start questioning your worth. You know why people commit suicide? Because they don't think their life is worth anything. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Let's get it straight. You never were. As if it was your good days that earned God's love. So your bad days disqualified you from it. Ladies and gentlemen, your best days aren't good enough for God. That's why he sent Jesus. If your best days were good enough for God, he never would have sent his son. The truth is that when he sees you and me, he sees Jesus. That's why we don't get to God by our righteousness. We get to God by his righteousness. Some gospel preaching right there. We know that if you live wasteful long enough and wild long enough, you'll end up in want and you'll question your worth. And he says, I'm no longer worthy. Today, some of you, you have everything on the outside. But if we're being honest today, before God, you go, God, I, I don't think I'm really worthy. Like, like Mark and Rochelle, like Joel and Mel, like, man, some of those, like Jesse and Katie, like, they're like, they're like, they're like good people. They're like better, like they're just great, like good, great people. As if God is selective with who he loves And I want you to be very clear today that there is no one. How do you know the value of something? You only dictate value economically predicated upon what someone is willing to pay for it. And the reason why I know that every one of your lives in this room and online are valuable is because God was willing to give the life of his son. So that's a high price tag to have relationship with humanity. So everyone in this room has intrinsic value. Can I get an amen? The older son's not lost outside. He's lost inside. You know, you're lost inside when you have anger, attitude issues. The, the older son, he had attitude, anger, and he had assumptions. This is what happens today. Some of you, you have no idea. You're in the house, but you're the angry older brother. You're mad that God would love people that don't vote like you. You're upset that God loves people that don't prescribe to the views that you hold. As if God is somehow working for you. I would remind you today that God makes a terrible employee, but an incredible boss. And some of you, I I just feel so strong. This guy, older brother, he has this attitude problem. He's angry. He's angry that the father is willing to love, accept, restore, and reconcile the other son. He's angry because he knows that the younger brother doesn't deserve it. This older brother is theologically straight as a gun barrel, but just as empty. This guy, he has the truth, but he has no grace. He speaks the truth, but it's not in love. And not only is he angry, he's got an attitude. He's got this, I have years of obedience out of grim duty, not spectacular delight. Well, I go to church every week, and I read my Bible, and I tithe, and I'm just a better person than everybody else. Come on, save your self-righteousness. I want you to know today that you could be lost inside the church just as easily as you can on the outside. He starts making assumptions. He assumes the worst. That's what religious people do. They assume the worst. They go, oh, man, that's not my brother. This is your son. He, he wasted his life. He, come on, he, remember how he, he, he wasted everything on harlots. He didn't know that. He assumed that. That's what religiosity does. It assumes the worst. But what I would remind you today, Oceans Church, in this climate we're living in, God leverages famines to wake up his family. I believe that God is using this famine right now in the world to bring his kids together. I believe he's going to do it because he's going to start calling sons that are in the field feeding pigs and sons that are in the fields feeling self-righteous. He's going to bring both sons home. If you believe it, come on, shout amen. How do you know? Because the Father is loving. We know that God's will is that all of his sons come to know the truth. It says that he wills all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy 2.4. It says that he waited. It says that Isaiah 30.18 says, Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is God, the God of justice. How blessed are those who long for him. God is waiting. God is watching. God is welcoming. Do you believe it today? And when God welcomes sons that are wandering home, guess what he does? He restores and he reconciles. I, be, I feel like prophetically some of you in this room that have maybe broken co- communication with moms, dads, sisters, brothers, and sons and daughters. This will be a week of, of, of divine restoration. Some of you, it's been a year, two years, ten years since you spoke to that family member. And God is going to open up a sovereign door this week, soften your heart and their heart. And you will see there is a father in heaven that can reconcile his kids. You see, there was famines in this time. And God always distinguishes his people. And God always brings his family together in times of famine. Do you believe that? You see, we live in a day and age that today, many people don't get, come back to the father. They don't come home. They don't have a homecoming. Because they're so lawless, they think that they're too far gone. Or they're too legalistic to realize they're in deception. I was talking to the other day, he's like, "Man, I'm a devout Catholic." He's cussing like a sailor, talking like he has zero relationship with God, and he's just like this dark place. He's just like, "Yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a Catholic, but well, you know, I, you know, whatever. Just I sleep through mass. It's boring. I don't enjoy it. I don't get anything out of it. I don't pay attention to it." And it's like, you think that God is pleased that you're sitting and going through the liturgical traditions of your day? I don't think we're getting to heaven. And God says, "Hey, well done. Way to sleep through church." How many of you have kids that you're like, man, every time my son and daughter come home from college, they just come in the living room and they sleep. But it's just so good to have them home. How many of ki- parents want relationship? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus didn't die so you can get religious. He didn't die so you can say, I'm this world religion. I'm that world religion. Problem is we bought this lie that Jesus is like every other religious leader. He's not like every religious leader. No, I have the coexist sticker on the back of my car, Mark. I get it. We're all the same. We're all going to the same place. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a lie. And I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm telling you the truth today. You would never buy this logic anywhere else in the world. Can we agree on that? You never would. You would never accept that all roads lead to the same place. But some people say, Mark, no, Christianity being the only way, that's too narrow. That's politically incorrect. Well, Jesus is... Who he says he is, or he's not. He was the one in John 14 that said, I am the way. I am the truth. Not a truth, the truth. A way, the way. I am a lot, I'm the life. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. You see, we have Buddhist Muslims that believe that he was a good teacher, a good prophet. The problem is, is Jesus never claimed to be just a prophet. He said this, he said crazy things. He said things like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He basically said, if you want to know what God looks like, look at me. Prophets don't talk like that. That's why when Jesus said something, he never said, thus saith the Lord. He says, I say to you. Yeah. He didn't talk as a man in right relationship with God. He talked as God himself. And many people have bought into this universalism in America. That we have this, this eclectic melting pot of world religions and people are wondering why they're spiritually sch- schizophrenic and they're spiritually bipolar because they go to church and raise their hands on this day and they read this book of Quran and they pray to Allah and they honor Buddha and they wonder, why am I this spiritual mutt? What's going on with me? I'm not trying to be mean today, but I do intend on telling you the truth. I'm respectful. Look, I accept one another 100% civil, yes, respectful, yes, kind, 100%, but I will make no no mistake about it, that we have to speak the truth in love. World religions all dictate, save yourself. Jesus doesn't do that. He says, no, 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 it's done. All world religions are spelled two letters, D-O, do. Do this, do that, do this, check that box, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And if you do this, God will do that. Christianity comes on the scene and doesn't say, no, it's not due, it's done. On the cross, he didn't say, it started. He says, it is finished. Jesus doesn't come as a road, he comes as the road. But we believe these crazy, spiritual, wacky people that go, no, 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 Mark, all churches look the same, they're all pretty much, we're all going to the same heaven, the same nirvana. The problem is, you would never tolerate this logic in any other area of life. You would never believe someone that said all roads lead to Las Vegas. All ships are going to London. All trains are heading to Jersey. All planes are going to Sydney. Look, listen, to me. all cabs look the same, but just because they look the same doesn't mean they're going to the same place. Different directions determine different destinations. What do you mean? World religions are different. They lead to different destinations. For instance, Judaism denies the New Testament, sees salvation as a judgment day decision based upon your morality. The Messiah, they say, will come one day and bring peace to Israel. Hindus anticipate multiple reincarnations in the soul's journey through the cosmos. They believe in many gods. All of them are impersonal. Buddhism grades your life according to the four noble truths and the eightfold noble path. Heaven is nirvana and it's yours after multiple reincarnations. Muslims earn their way to Allah by performing the duties of the five pillars of faith. They say that Jesus was not crucified, deny the Trinity, and they raise Muhammad higher than any other prophet. By contrast, Jesus comes, blazes a standalone trail, void of self salvation. He clears a one of a path kind of passage, uncluttered by human effort. Christ came not for the weak, not for the strong, but for the weak not for the righteous, but for the sinner. We enter upon confession of our need, not completion of our deeds. He offers a standalone unique invitation in which he works, we trust. He dies, we live. He invites, we believe. He is not like any other person. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You accept all of it or none of it. And if you want to be spiritually confused the rest of your life, believe that Jesus is a good God. But not the God. Orange County is full of psychics, mediums, soothsayers, spiritists, crystals, new-age gurus. People are cool, man. They're cool sleeping with anybody spiritually. But I want you to know there is a God in heaven that is jealous to know you. And there is a way, there is a truth, there is a king that's above all kings. There is a Lord that's above all lords. And there is only one kingdom that has an everlasting power. Can I get an amen up in this place today? I know I'm bold today, but I believe we have too many churches that are scared of offending people. That's not politically correct. we got we to agree with the science. Well, let's agree that the science is wrong sometimes. When science says that boys can be girls and girls can be boys, maybe science doesn't have it all right. We live in a day and age that's so cluttered by opinions, and we're so scared of offending anybody. Where is the church that is fearless? Where is the church that declares there is a God who redeems There is a God that saves. There is a God that delivers. There is a God that is rich in mercy. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died. If you believe it, give him a good hand clap and a shout today. I feel it in my bones. seated. That God is looking for people that say, God, if you are it, I'm going all in. Would you allow the famine that we're in to bring you home? Homecoming. Would God leverage the famine the world is in to wake up his lost sons on the outside and his lost sons that are on the inside? I believe that here's three things I want you to leave with today. That it is the love of the Father that captures both sons. It is the love of the Father that captures both sons. And here's what I know today is no one in these tents and no one online is outside of the love of God's reach. You know who we are as Oceans Church? You know who we are in the story? Let me tell you who you are. You're actually uh, in verse. You're actually in verse 26. The older brother called for one of the servants that were in the house. And he asked the servant, what's that noise? And the servant began to plead with the older brother and said, you've got to come home. Your brother's back. You've been lost outside. You've been lost inside for too long. Get out of the field. Come home. Come on. Dad's ready for you to come home. Yeah. I believe it's the hour for believers to bring the sons that are lost outside and inside back into the house. Yeah. So I'm asking you today, ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say? Here's your practical homework today. I want you, if you have a physical Bible right now or a cell phone, either way, I want you to get it open and I want you to write down five names that you're believing that God can get a hold of this year. I want you to write, I don't care how far away from God they are, I don't care if they're lost outside or inside. Five names. They might be in the New Age, might be into, man, crazy paganism, they might be atheist, agnostic, or they might just be some sterile Christian that hasn't had an encounter with God since 1941. Let's believe that God can reach outside and inside lost kids. I want you to write down five names. You know what that list is called? I'm calling it the God... Go get them list. Yeah. Can we call it that? God, yeah. go get them. Yeah. God, go get this son. Get this daughter. God, go get them. Second thing I want you to write down if we're going to prepare the house is we got to believe that God's love captures both sons. Number two, got to believe that the Father's presence is what they both needed all along. Yeah. You know why both sons wandered in the field? Because neither one realized that everything they could ever want is in the Father's house. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, you know what makes the house of God special? It's not the house, the tents, the buildings. It's the presence of our Father. You know why the younger son left? He didn't value the Father's presence. You know why the older son was self-righteous? He didn't value the Father's presence. What makes Ocean's Church unique? Let me tell you what it is. We value His presence. We have brilliant Bible teachers, scholars. We have people that are brilliant, articulate, but they don't value the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you today that we'll be a church that values the Word, but we also value the Spirit. A church that's not ritualistic, but we're not legalistic. Where are those churches that aren't lawless, but they're not legalistic? That have Spirit, but they have power, have wisdom, but they have structures. Where are those churches? God is looking for a church that honors His presence. I wrote this down. Would we be a son and daughter that values His presence every day? Listen, if the only time you connect with God is 90, 90 minutes on Sunday, that, there's a reason why you're in a spiritually low place. God is burning to have his presence drive your life. Well, Mark, I'm a businessman. I'm not a preacher. Guess what? I believe the greatest ideas to hit the earth are going to come through business women and businessmen that are in touch with heaven. Listen, if Elon Musk could build what he's built without God, what could God's sons and daughters do with God? I believe the greatest entrepreneurs, the greatest strategists, innovators, inventors of our day should come out of God's house. And I'm persuaded that if we're going to prepare the house, we have to believe, watch this, verse number three, that the father's house has no famine. You know what's crazy? The famine woke up the son, and when he woke up, he realized one powerful truth. There is no famine in my father's house. Everywhere else right now is on fire. Guess what? There is a place. In Moses' day, it was called Goshen. When the, when the Nile was blood red, and there was frogs in the land, and locusts in the land, and it was hailing in the land, guess what? Goshen was blue skies. There might be a famine in the world right now, but I believe there is a blessing in God's house. And that younger son knew, if I can just get back to my father's house, there's plenty of bread to spare. My Father's housekeepers eat better than people in the world that are blessed. The poorest in the kingdom are wealthier than the richest in the world. And I believe in Jesus' name that God is waking His church up to believe that His presence, His house, there is no famine in it. I stand here boldly today to tell you that your dreams, they're activated in the house. Innovative ideas, they activate in the house. We have businessmen and women right now, literally on Tuesdays and Thursdays, giving their entire staffs an hour and 15-minute break to drive to San Juan Capistrano to go to our hour and 15-minute prayer and worship meeting to get ideas for their business. God's house is where the dreams of our lives come online. Some of you are going to start getting heavenly downloads. Acts 2 says that when the Spirit of God comes in the land, he says your, your young men will dream dreams, your old men will have visions. You'll begin to prophesy. You'll begin to see the future. Where are the churches that are full of God dreamers? I believe that you can tell the quality of your soul and your spirit by your ability to dream. When you stop dreaming with God, you start dying. Dreams are attached to hope. Hope is the oxygen of the human soul. When you run out of hope, you run out of dreams. I feel something in here today. What did the famine do? It woke his sons up, brought his family together. At the end of the story, it's likely to believe that both sons ended up with the father in the house. It was a homecoming. There was dancing. It could have been a homecoming dance. Tough crowd. Stand to your feet. Feel his presence. You're 13 years old. You had a major, major accident. It's altered your body physically in some way, numbness, extremities, God's healing you right now. There's someone even here, you have like a, a really serious issue with your thyroid. It's actually affected your health, uh, not just beyond just your, your blood, blood pressure and sugars. It's like, it's, it's really affected you in a, in a really negative way. Today God is healing a thyroid condition. I I hear the Holy Spirit even just, even now just telling me there's someone in here, you have a, a very, very serious autoimmune disease. It's affecting your digestive tract, your digestive system. i just thank you right now holy spirit you would heal you would heal yeah i believe there's an elizabeth in this room that you've been wanting to have kids for a long long time all your friends have had kids some of their kids have had kids and you feel like you missed the wagon i believe the lord would say about this time next year you'll be holding a baby in your arms it'll be a miracle baby in your old age yeah thank you holy spirit There's someone in here, you have some sort of like cartilage buildup in your ears. Never prayed this before, but I see it. It's created like all this weird stress with your skin and there's pressure in your head. It's affected migraines and headaches. It's like a buildup of some unusual cartilage in your ears. And God right now is healing your ears. There's someone that has a blown out eardrum, some sort of damage in your eardrum, and God is opening it up right now. Be open in Jesus' name. There's someone with paralysis in your extremities. Your, your fingers go numb. Your toes go numb. Skiing accident. Uh, yeah, snow accident. a Sledding accident. It's like four, to four years ago. One was six years ago. And God is healing right now your spine. Jesus' name. Does anybody believe in a God that heals? I'm not a psychic. What are you doing? I'm listening to the voice of my Father. That's weird. No, it's not. It's weird to be a Christian and not hear His voice. Jesus said, my sheep know my done this all the time and i hear god's voice there's someone you've been cutting you've been cutting you've been cutting and god says today the cutting stops for i knew you in your mother's womb you were fearfully and wonderfully made your self-image issues you are not worthless you're worthy of my son's life i have a plan for you i know the thoughts that i have towards you says the lord thoughts of good not of evil to give you a future and a hope come against the spirit of suicide and depression right now in jesus christ's name you're not going to leave this week and kill yourself. You're going to live this week. You're going to live and not die. You're going to declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. He's here. Yeah, someone's here. You might even have thought about thinking about suicide this week. Someone threw out a last-ditch effort prayer saying, God, if you're real, speak this week or I'm gone. God says, here's your invitation. I am who I, I say I am. I've answered your prayer and I hear the Lord saying, I held up my end of the bargain to single you out. Now it's time for you to hold up your, your end of the bargain and to surrender your heart to me. You prayed in the last 48 hours, God, if you're real, show me. And God says, here is my reply to you. I show you that I am real. And if you'll surrender your heart to me, I will direct your life from this day forward. Yeah, I feel his, I feel his presence. Someone in here, you have some sort of like weird um, issue in your ribcage. It's like in your lungs. It's like it's muscles in your ribs, and it's some sort of tissue in your lungs that are damaged. God, it's the left side of your, your rib cage. Left side. He's healing you right now. Someone has severe, like, sciatic pains, and there's someone that has a crazy, uh, I don't know if it's a mass, a cyst, or some sort of tumor in, your, in the back of your, uh, back, right next to your spine. It's behind your lungs on your right-hand side. God's healing it right now. If you need a healing in your body, this is what the Bible says. Healing is the children's bread. When you're in the Father's house, he loves to take care of his kids. If you need a physical healing today, I want you to lift your hands. This church is growing at a rapid rate because people are getting healed every single week. It's not good preaching. It's not good music. It is the presence of a good father. Power of a good father that's healing. It's drawing people in. Raise your hands if you need healing today in this room. All over this room. Someone has an STD, God's going to heal you today. Stage two cancer, he's going to heal you today. Stage four cancer God's not scared of. He's going to heal you today. Is there any faith in God's house today? Raise your hands towards heaven if you need a miracle. We're almost done. He's almost, he's going to heal right now. If someone's hands up next to you right now, raise it real high if you need healing. We're going to pray. We're almost out of here. We'll be out of here in three minutes. Raise your hand on someone. Stretch forth your hands towards someone that has their, their hand raised. Oceans, we don't beg, we believe. I repeat, we don't beg, we believe. Come on, with some faith, I want you to declare this today. Say, in Jesus Christ's name, say it like you mean it. In Jesus' name, I ask you to heal from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. Evict darkness, kick out diseases, remove discouragement, depression, messed up joints, intestines, heal from the inside to the outside. In Jesus' name. Do what doctors can't do, do what medicine can't do, do it faster, do it better, do it for your glory. Let doctors, let doctors, uh, say it like this, let doctors reveal a clinical miracle in Jesus' name. He's doing it right now. He's doing it right now. If you believe God still heals, come on, give Him one hand clap and a shout. Almost done. Almost done. i sorry. I feel His presence. You're here today. I want to be very bold today. I feel like this is going to be a big day for people. You've always had a heart that's open to God, but you've never wanted to surrender that He was the only one true God. And I believe in Orange County where we're open to everything and anything, this is the day that God says, no, I want all of your heart. Listen, if Jesus Christ is real, He's worthy of your full surrender. Here's what I know. The only one that can ask you for everything is the one that gave you everything. And Jesus is the only human that's ever lived that died for you, didn't, died as, uh, didn't just die for you, he died as you on the cross. And he can ask humanity for everything because he's the only one that gave everything for humanity. So today as we close some of you, I feel it today, there's a gravitational pull right now, there's a battle going on on the inside going, I don't know if I'm going to respond, I kind of like my lifestyle, I like being the Lord of my life and listen, younger son, it's time to come home. Older son, you're religious but you've never had a personal, dynamic vibrant relationship with Jesus. It's time to come home. He's not a way, he's the way. And I feel like this is going to be a great day of souls being saved. If you're ready to invite God all the way in Rededicate your life today, or for the first time, surrender your heart fully to Jesus. Eyes closed, heads bowed. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm out of time, but I ask in Jesus' name, everyone that needs to respond today with eyes closed to raise your hand boldly on the count of three. I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to pray for you as you raise your hands in your seats. I want you to raise it high like you're proud to receive God into your life. On the count of three, Lord, today, I give you my heart. One, Lord, today, I rededicate my life to you. Two, God, I'm coming home to the Father's house. Real high, hands are already going up all over the tents. Three, real high, that's me. That's me, real high. Raise it real high. Real high, real high, real high, real high, real high. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Real high, real high. Eleven, real high. Eyes closed, twelve. Yeah, 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 yeah. Twelve. 12. anymore? more? Any more? Any more? 13. I see you. 13. Hands on your heart. Seven more people. Seven more people. Hearts beating out of your ribcage. I believe hell would leverage every asset they have to stop you from responding to God in this moment. Because when God comes in, the darkness will begin to leave. The spiritual confusion will begin to lift. Some of you have nightmares, night terrors, you've been visited by evil, and I believe this is the day that you're letting God all the way into your life and giving Him permission to kick out the darkness. You didn't raise your hand, but there are seven more people that God says, behold, I stand at your door and I knock. If you'll open up, I'll come in. I'm not promising you no problems from this day forward. But I am promising you that if you'll invite him in, he will navigate the rest of your life with you and for you. Seven more hands. Eyes closed. No one's looking. Please. Holy moment. I didn't raise my hand, but I was supposed to. There's a battle going on right now for your destiny. I want you to raise your hand. I want you to break free right now. There's seven more. I'm going to count to three one more time. One, your heart's beating out of your rib cage right now. That's God. Two, don't miss this moment. Seven more hands going up right now. Three, real high. That's me. That's me. One, thank you. Real high, two, thank you, thank you, three, thank you. There's three, real high, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. Three, four, where you at? Keep it up for me, keep it up, four, five, five, six, seven, seven. There might be nine, but there's at least seven. I don't want to count twice, but I know that I counted seven for sure. Might have count two extra people. Can you pray oceans with those twenty people today? Oceans all over these tents. Come on, you can feel it right now. There's a there's always a resistance when people begin to surrender at a high level. And I just pray right now. I break every every dark entity that's trying to hinder the move of God. I come on the behalf of Jesus Christ. And I pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, every wall would come down right now. Every heart would fully open up right now. I pray that you would evict darkness, evict diseases, darkness, demons, and even now, fill them with your Holy Spirit. Oceans, let's pray with those 20 people all over the tents today. Online, I want you to write heart, H-E-A-R-T, if you want to get right with God. There's probably another 10 people online right now that are going to get right with Jesus. Write heart right now. Oceans, let's pray this prayer. Say, Jesus with those 20 people, say it like you mean it. Jesus, I declare today that I believe you're not a way, you're the the way. You're not a truth, you're the truth. You're not a life, you're the life. So today I surrender. I yield my heart, my mind, my soul. I make a deal with Jesus. Would you come into my life fill me with your spirit and guide me direct me heal me and restore me from this day forward all that i am belongs to jesus from this day forward in the mighty name of jesus i pray god's people said would you have a good hand today oceans church thanks for listening to our podcast have a great week